and it's been a long time, three months, Jesus, but here we are last, reunited, and it feels so good, this is Killinois with Bird and Cam, this is your boy Bird, and it's always with me, Cam, how are we doing, Cam? Yeah, it's been, it's been an intense three months for me, um, it's been a long time, the reason why we've been gone for so long is, uh, did I talk about, like, me being all excited for my vacation in the last episodes? I'm pretty sure because it was, like, like the last episode we did, like, it was... We, right before, we, um, right? Yeah, it was the OJ episode, uh, which you guys can't find on the archives. But, yeah, um, you know, we had we had planned, folks, uh, a mini break, but we were going to get back in, like, early July. And then, I mean, you know, life hits you. And yeah, then I went on vacation and got in a bad accident, so uh, had to recover. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> had it's, to recover, it's so. one of those things is that, you know, you take for granted sometimes moments like this. So to be in a situation where we are back, ready, and to kick some podcast ass, it, it, it makes, you know, makes you appreciative of the little things. And, you know, I got my right-hand partner in true crime here. And I couldn't be more appreciative again. Like so, absolutely. And I'm really thankful to be here, and I'm excited to do this podcast. And even better with our new music. And we gonna fuck this shit up. Oh fuck yeah! Makes this way possible. <laughs> oh hell yeah! And we're gonna start with something big. Um, yeah, I guess the theme, and we're gonna still stick true to Illinois murders as we go along with our episodes in the future, but again, and even this one has an Illinois tie-in, but I guess we won't be remiss if we, we're going to do a true crime podcast. We have to do something on this subject that we're going to be covering tonight, and actually we're going to be doing in two parts. So, uh, without further ado, uh, let's give a, a glimpse of Jeffrey Dahmer. Yay, and I'm sure everybody knows who he is, so if well, you guys have any fun information that we don't talk about or you want to add on let us know because yeah we love i mean updates. it's kind of like and it's kind of terrible to say this is like if you have like a mount rushmore of serial killers there oh my god <laughs> it's a oh pretty, my god that's a terrible comparison that's a terrible comparison but it's accurate like People know who Jeffrey Dahmer is, yeah. right? And I mean, you know, you, Dahmer, Bundy, BTK, like Zodiac. It, yeah, and I'm pretty sure we're gonna cover them at some point down. We did cover Gacy, but like, um, yes, he was based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, but you know, there are murders that again we talked about a few minutes ago that has some links to Chicago. So, like, yeah, this is something, like, again, we can't do a true crime podcast without... And two... Oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Oh, no, 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 I was going to be gibberish, but you go. Uh, The reason why I like the Dahmer case is there's a lot... I mean, you know, obviously there was family issues, but a lot of times, you know, you hear stories where, you know, the kid dropped on their head or experienced severe abuse or things like that. And he came from, you know, a a pretty normal family, especially nowadays, you know, parents eventually divorce. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think one of those, it's a, it was cool. It was, it had chaotic moments and we're going to get into that. But I guess one of those, what you're getting at is like, compared to what we would expect like a broken home and he's just been like it's just the absolute shits like we will see especially with the relationship with his father like i mean he even wrote a book called after the fact called a father's love or some shit like that it's it it, it fascinates me because jeffrey dahmer is a person really reminds me of you know the brain and how different it is and my whole stupid theory i go on about mm-hmm. how not all people are evolved and yeah his brain's gotta be different like i wish mm-hmm. i know it sounds terrible but like i wish they were able to like study his brain more because oh yeah yeah there's a lot more e- emotional 
connections and mental connections and mm-hmm. stories like growing up wise oh yeah and um that said uh before we get into the nitty-gritty um guys i know we have done almost about 40 episodes so far and um the cases we've covered there's a lot of uh, current events and current cases and over time since we've recorded those original episodes there have been a lot of updates so what we are planning to do and a not so distant future, knock on wood. Oh fuck it, we're gonna be doing that in not in not so distant future. We're gonna be doing an updates episode. And uh I know uh straight off the back, Michael Kazaki, uh, Robert Utter, uh, just to name a few, R. Kelly, of course. Um, we did do do we wanna do Jess? We might as well do Juicy. So no, let's do them all. We'll let's do them all. all. We'll like, do them all. Update. We'll just make all big one motherfucking update episode. So be sure to catch on that. And um that said, Cam, could you, and I've been waiting for three months to ask you this, could you hit the good motherfucking folks with a disclaimer? Absolutely. So it's really good to be back, guys. Um, I'm sure we'll have a more in-depth story of our time and the three oh, yeah. that we were missing. We can make that like a video thing. Anyways, okay, I'm getting distracted. It's good to be back, and we just want to remind everyone, you know, we're not, we're not doctors, we're not scientists. Um, we we aren't judges, lawyers. We're just here to um, report and do what we do best, and that's to do our podcast. Um, if we don't have information that is that you believe is accurate, or there's something that we do that offends someone, please let us know. Please hit us up. Uh, you know where to find us. Best places: Illinois with Burning Cam or our other Facebook K Pod, which. Again, we've been gone for three months, so I have not updated that. We have not done anything with that. So, that will be updated. Um, But yeah, long story short, we're just here to do our job and to report. And if there's anything that you don't agree with or out of nature, let us know. Send us a a message. If you want to add something, let us know. We always like to include it. And if you ever are in need, you know... Reach out to your uh, local crisis hotline. Um, and yeah, well, let's do this. That's it. Ready to do the damn thing. I'm ready to do the damn thing. All right. I'm, so I blabble. I... <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get that timing back there. We'll get that timing back. So, Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin on May 21st, 1960. Uh, His mother, Joyce, was a stay-at-home mom while his father, Lionel, was a student at Marquette University, graduating in 1962 with a degree in electrical... Oh, my God. We're already fucking up the words. Electrical. Oh, I said it right. Oh, man. See, I just... What Brabarski said? Self-fulfilling prophecy. You fuck it up. Engineering and earning a doctorate degree in 1966. And Jeffrey was described as an energetic and happy child. But when he was three years old, he had to undergo a double hernia surgery. And I don't know if anyone out there who's had a hernia surgery, but... Uh, from, from what I've heard, it's just a pretty bad fucking experience. So don't, least... don't, we were, we had like an hour and a half long conversation yesterday about this with yes. somebody we knew. I don't know if you want to give him a shout no, out. No, I'm not going to the program, surgery, Mike, but, uh... we don't want to get in a whole diatribe, but long story short, uh, it was fucked up. So again, and you know, for Mike, yeah, this was a fully functional man in his 20s, so I can only imagine how that will subdue a three-year-old in his formative years, not only physically, but psychologically. And two, um, I was doing some research, and there's a lot of research and notes that state that that's really when there started to be a change with Jeffrey Dahmer. So along with that same year, Lionel actually received a doctorate. And the Dahmers actually welcomed their second child. And another fun fact about what that was, there's a lot of notes that state that um, they let Jeffrey Dahmer name this this child. And so he got he got to choose the name for his little brother. Yeah, I know um, that. So anyways, they welcomed their second child, David. And with two kids and a wife, Lionel decided to move to a more spacious area in the suburbs. As it was customary in that period, in days before Jeffrey's eighth birthday, his family moves to 4480 West Bath Road, Bath Township, Ohio. 
Yeah, I was eight when me and my family moved, and but it was from like a relatively nice neighborhood in the city to the hood. So yeah, that fucking sucks. <laughs> um, I lived in the same house for my whole life, and my my parents divorced, but we're still best friends. And my mom, uh, like, moved down the street, so it was really awesome. Mm. We were within walking distance, so it was really awesome. Um, but now that I'm older, I've moved a lot, so. If you think about it, you're moving to a new place, new state at that, and you have no friends. So talk about trying to adjust in that period. And apparently, around the same time, it was alleged that Lionel, via so-called 1990 telephone call to Jeffrey's probation officer that, wait, why did Jeffrey have a probation officer at eight? Oh, no, no, 1990. So, so pretty much. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm reading that totally wrong. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Okay. Oh, right. I was like, hold on. Okay. Um, let me rephrase that. <laughs> I'm like reading the notes word for word. But anyway, so there, we have information that notes that we found that Lionel reached out to his son and then stated that when Jeffrey was eight, that he claimed a neighbor boy had sexually molested him. And so obviously something like that childhood molestation is something that, you know, is brings irreversible damage to any of its victims. And again, if you think about it, if you don't try to talk about it or, you know, help, you know, try to help heal and just right. uh, repress, or repress it, it's really, really bad for you. Oh, yeah. And, um, it can probably partly explain away some of the con uh, content we're about to get into. And at this part, Dahmer strongly denied that he was molested. But for argument's sake, this new kid, new place, not knowing anyone, he could have been maybe easy prey for someone who would have had that sick kind of mind. So what was known without a doubt was around the same time, this is when the Dahmer household was getting a little chaotic. Now, we did mention that the early years of his life, it was pretty much an idyllic, nuclear, um, all-American family. But at this point, um, there was constant argument between Lionel and Joyce. And with Lionel always a way to focus on his career and Joyce being mentally unstable in his absence, little attention was focused on Jeffrey. And around this time, however... Jeffrey would find, or stumble, if you will, stray animals who wandered off the vast forest behind the Dahmer home. And one would think, oh, he would find comfort in befriending these animals, like be on some crocodile hunter shit. No, no, no. Because Jeffrey got to know the animals in, well, he bleached the bones of dead chickens he killed. He stuffed insects into bottles of acid and he decapitated small rodents and over time he learned to use acid to the point that he would strip the meat off the bones of dead animals and this is uh you know this is one of the prevailing traits about serial killers like when they're growing up like something about those the killing animals an alarming rate True. but so, you do have to also remind everyone that he did get these tactics of stripping animals bleaching the bones from his father yeah it was a um a dinner conversation and like he's thinking oh he's uh this is a curious mind i'm gonna teach him about he's pursuing you know, what i did right right and man just talk about just a naive just wow that would confuse me too you know mm -hmm. <laughs> oh he wants to follow my footsteps when in reality he's um Oof. But but to give I mean, a tenuous things. Oh shit. But Cam, to give a visual example of the horrors others found in Jeffrey's work at that time, in nineteen seventy five, three kids were playing through the woods behind a Dharma home when they went across what was left of a dog, and its head had been cut off and gutted carcass was dangling from a tree behind a cross made of sticks. And and Cam, this is a fifteen year old who was behind this and Again, as he gets older, this morbid trademark idea of fun would only get sicker if it can only be possible. And from reading from all the notes that I was taking from, after, like, I know I didn't read the book, but from taking some of the notes, I did notice that um, 
it went from him just being fascinated that his dad was yeah doing what he was doing and all the way he started to develop like this crazy obsession about it mm-hmm. like you're saying with the insects and the bug collections and then he started looking for roadkill and he would even take them home when no one was there he would dissect them he he would be fascinated by the insides, all that crazy shit. Mm-hmm. But um, I find it interesting because his family there was there was so much tension in the household. There's rumors that Joyce, the mom, had a mental illness. Dad was always away. You know all all the shindigs. So there wasn't really a family taking care of the kids. It right. was kind of. And, and I guess again to 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 have that so. I guess abrupt, it's like abrupt 360 where everything seemed to be so kosher when, you know, he was a little kid. And then when he got older, it's just like it's slowly but surely, you know, just deteriorated. Yeah. And, and too, it, do, it doesn't help because when his parents did divorce, he was, what, 18 at the time? Mm-hmm. And his little brother lived with mom. So Jeffrey was kind of like, yeah, his whole life hung out to dry because... They didn't really know how to take handle, you know, their relationship and the child, and that's what makes me think it's like okay, the whole nature versus nurture concept and right. all of that. But around this time, we were talking about Jeffrey also loved, loved, loved alcohol. So it is said that he was pretty much an alcoholic, if not a heavy, heavy alcoholic, and he was. At the time, graduating from beer to hard liquor, and by the time he started high school, so this was all before high school, Jeez. when he started at uh, Revere High School, it was said he would be revealed, or it was said that Jeffrey had a really high IQ, and his grades did fluctuate, but it's probably because he was always drinking. And then, adding to that ambiguous nature of Dahmer, the person, his personality at his time, it was described as aloof and kind of a loner. But at the other, at the same time, he would do like, oh, excuse me, weird attention-grabbing stunts to the point that by his senior year, Dahmer was considered the class clown. But which is weird because it was almost like it was a cover. Mm. And by this, his senior year in high school. It was probably, like we were saying, Dahmer's most pivotal time in his life. Um, so again, back to the atmosphere of his household. It, Like we said earlier, it took a toll on both his parents, and they finally divorced. And that was after 19 years of marriage. And probably, too, at that time, it was pretty frowned upon that people were divorcing and such. Um, and... Among many of the points of the divorce, it was the custody of the youngest child, like I said earlier, David, um, and who would also get the house on West Bath Road. But at the end of the day, Joyce got the title to the house and custody of David. While Lionel would have to move away and eventually remarry within months of the divorce. But it was a fun fact that for a while he was living out of a motel. But in all of this, he seemingly uh, lost in the shuffle and all of this. And Jeffrey, at the time, like like I said, just turned 18. So technically, in the eyes of the law, and really through his parents, he's an adult. He's on his own. It doesn't really factor in much what he does. And again, this drove him to the point with a father buried in his career and a mother dealing with a mental illness and of a recent divorce, Jeffrey's deprived the lack of devotion that should have been focused on someone who, in that period in a person's life, atten- attention is very crucial. And because this was misplaced and there was no attention, it really led to a dark, dark, pretty much shit seeping into his psychedelic mental state, which led to alcohol drinking and experimenting with Normal kids, it would be drugs, but with Dahmer, it was stray animals and dissecting them and roadkill. And this led to him being out 
and all these animals buried in his backyard. Yeah, and and all of this cam, it, these traits, it, and all this shit simmering, it just reaches a crescendo on June eighteenth, nineteen seventy-eight. Now Joyce and David were visiting relatives in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, and his father was already out of the picture, leaving the house to Jeffrey. And only weeks removed from his 18th birthday and high school graduation, he's got time on his hands, drinking, and he decides to go out. And this is where he meets 18-year-old Stephen Hicks. Now, Hicks from nearby Coventry Township was only four days shy of his 19th birthday. He had gone out for a day of summer fun, and he was hitchhiking along Ohio Route 224, where he was picked up about 11 a.m. by a convoy of friends. And they attended a rock uh, music concert. And after the concert, Hicks heads back to hitchhiking with the expectation of parlaying with his friends at a shindig later on. But as he's walking down that road cam, in comes a clut ass, a clut ass, a clut ass, Oldsmobile. And behind the wheel is Jeffrey Dahmer. And Dahmer approaches Hicks and offers him to hang out at his empty house with the promise to go have a few beers and listen to some music, and assumingly an understanding to give him a ride to the landing strip later, where his friends were at. In a sharp turn on the West Bath between the police station and the elementary school, they scooted down to the house, turning left on to the telephone pole and grinding to a gravel driveway to the house. And they got to know each other as they drank beer and talked. And again, Jeff was only a few weeks fresh out of high school, and Steve was graduating from his high school. And just like that, shit changes in an instant. It's just crazy. It's just it's just crazy because at this moment, Stephen Hicks made a decision that would become the last one he ever made in his life. At this time, he looked at the clock and decided it was time to go. And all Jeffrey said was no. And Steve looked back and, you know, responded and said yes. And the guy wanted to leave, and I didn't want him to leave, Dahmer would later tell the police. Dahmer picked up a dumbbell, smashed it into the head of Stephen Hicks, and he went down like a crumpling blanket. Dahmer went over to the slump body and then continued to strangle Hicks to death. He dragged the body out of the house and there he picked up a long knife and used the knowledge he had gained in slicing up animals to dismember Hicks, putting the remains into plastic garbage bags. And only after a few days did the flesh and organs be, uh, begin to de decompose. And so if you factor in the elements and that the remains are carpentalized. Uh, oh my god, I can't talk tonight. Carpentalized. Oh, I fucked up too. But pretty much, fuck. like, it's baking in the sun. And, yeah. and and it's and it's tied up in the bag. Like And, and it's and it's got in the yeah. It's yeah. getting moist in the bag. Oh and fuck. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's going to attract pretty much and it probably doesn't smell too hot either. So it's going to actually I'll attract say. some curiosity sooner rather than later. So pretty much to fend off any potential prying noses or eyes or anything, Dom, Dahmer decided to start peeling off the flesh from the bones and then picking up a sledgehammer and cracking them into little pieces one by one. And by the time he was done, no bone fragment existed that was larger than the person's hand. And as his final task, he actually de uh, de Disposed of uh wow, hold on a second. My notes are all over the place. Right. Um he the uh disposed of the decayed flesh. Oh that there it is. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. And went to the forest. There we go. Sorry guys, sorry guys. So once he disposed of the flesh, he went to the forest and scattered the fragmented bones. And just like that. Dahmer commenced a different graduation other than what he did for high school. And that was just weeks before. And from killing and experimenting animals to making humans his prey. So that's a pretty big jump. Oh. Stephen's parents 
Richard and Martha Hicks both filed a missing persons report on their son a few days later. But as we would find out, the case went colder than taking, or I'm sorry, than a take saying, Andrew, <laughs> Andrew, look, will you win fantasy football championship this year? <laughs> and seemingly Hicks vanished out of thin air, or more importantly, beneath the elements of Dahmer's backyard. And I hope most of you guys listening follow football so you know who Andrew Luck is. Yeah, or Tony O'Brown. You're fucked. Sorry, Cam. <laughs> so Stephen Hicks was gruesomely murdered and maimed beyond identification simply because Jeffrey Dahmer didn't want to be alone. And as we have talked about in the early part of Dahmer's life, we're getting to get a sense of a guy who's got pretty bad fucking abandonment issues. And it's just magnified by his alcoholism and his subdued nature, and now his statistic nature, everything is just becoming the tsunami of a perfect storm. So that August, Dahmer enrolled in Ohio State University, where he majored in business. And it's fascinating to think of how we know that he wasn't a good student in high school, but the fact that he got accepted to such a prestigious university uh, as Ohio State has to be... uh, Well, hey, as uh, Paul Mooney used to say... Uh, the complexion for the protection for the collection. So I mean, to 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 have that, and his you know him being really smart. But again, the trend of alcoholism similar to the class, and it continued in Dahmer's one semester at Ohio State, and it was completely unproductive as his persistent alcohol abuse throughout the majority of the term. And look, Cam, we're drinkers when we ace exams drunk. So, I mean, it can be done, but in this case, his overall GPA was 0.45 out of 40. And that's slightly just worse than my 0.9 freshman GPA in high school. So, yeah, I, I can relate. What to were you doing then? I wasn't doing shit. <laughs> oh my God. I wasn't drinking. I, that is not allowed. That is not an acceptable GPA. How uh, did hey. your mom not whoop your ass? <laughs> If it makes you feel better, I got up to like a 1.1, 1. 1, so... Uh, At least you're trying a little bit. At least I you're tried. showing up. I tried. Showing up and showing up. So, despite his father having paid in advance for the second term, Dahmer dropped out of Ohio State after just three months. And by that point, although Joyce won a deed to the house, she ended up moving in with her youngest son to Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. And this paved the way for Lionel to move into the old house with his new wife. So for a time, it's Jeffrey, his father, and his new stepmom. So his father's obviously on Dahmer's ass about doing something with his life after dropping out of Ohio State. So Dahmer enlisted in the U.S. Army, training as a medical specialist in Texas. And by July of 1981, he would be stationed, or 1980, ah, fucking, he would be stationed in Baumholder, West Germany, where he would serve as a combat medic in the 8th Infantry Division. But... If you think that this is would turn Dahmer into this productive member of society, we would probably stop recording right about now. But yeah. let's be honest. This is Illinois. Come it, on, guys. It would come out in 2010 by two former soldiers that were also stationed in Baumholder around the same or at the same time as Dahmer that they were sexually assaulted by him. One of whom alleged that Dahmer had repeatedly raped him over a 17-month period. While another soldier stated Dahmer drugged and raped him inside an armed personnel uh, carrier in 1979. There's also uh, rumors that there was actually there was a a handful of murders around that time in similar ways that Dahmer murdered people. But they don't actually have a connection to that. But it's an odd coincidence, which... According to Joe Kenda, it is not a real thing. So, <laughs> oh my my my. Yes. So, back to back to the story. Quick dive here. You're seeing that there's the sexual sadism of Dahmer, who, at that point, came to terms with his homosexuality. And mind you, that's he's been curious about that for for some time. So and now he's finally come to terms with it. But. Given the stigma of being assaulted by another man at that period, and hell, it took 30 years for them to step forward, but it seems like something that would probably have 
they could have taken to their grave. But if it wasn't for Dahmer doing what he did, we probably wouldn't have gotten this whole story. But to Dahmer's, uh, to our surprise, Dahmer's alcohol abuse uh, stagnated his army career. And by March 1981, he was discharged from the army after failed repeats by superiors to get him into rehab. So, with Dahmer out of the military, he decided to travel to Miami, Florida, both because he was tired of the cold after being in Germany for two years and fear of backlash from his father. And I don't know, just moving to Miami just has this, this Dexter vibe, right? <laughs> like, I, when, I was, when I was just doing notes and I said to Miami, I was like, yeah, this is just eerily similar to Dexter. I mean, yeah, but... In Florida, Dahmer found employment as a, uh, a deli uh, owner or deli worker, whatever the fuck, and he rented a room in a nearby hotel. And after squandering his money on, you guessed it, booze, Dahmer found himself evicted and eventually headed back to Ohio. So he's back in his hometown, and Dahmer initially lived with his father and stepmother once again. But mischief again seemingly followed him everywhere. And as he continued to drink heavily, and two weeks after coming back to Ohio, he was arrested for drunken disorderly conduct, with which he was fined $60 and given a suspended 10-day jail sentence. And after his father failed to steer him on the right path, he and his stepmother, step uh, new wife, I should say, sent Dahmer to live with his grandmother in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, his birthplace. And it was there that they hoped that Dahmer would adjust positively as his mother was the only family mother mother who he had a legit connection with a, uh, a legit profound i guess loving connection if you will and the move seemingly paid off at first Dahmer took his mother to church he did his house chores and sought work and got one at working at the milwaukee blood plasma center drawing on his experience as a medic in the army and he held this job for almost a year before being laid off and slowly but surely, the bad habits made their impact again. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so, in August of 1982, Dahmer was arrested for indecent exposure. When he exposed himself to a crowd of 25 women and children. And so, for this instant, he was convicted and fined $50 plus court costs. So... 25 people, including children, he was only fined $50. But, to my knowledge, Dahmer also avoided his grandmother from finding out about this mischievous deed. And, as her, he was devoted, hardworking, all-around great-grandson. So, in January 1985, Dahmer was hired as mixer at the Milwaukee uh, Chocolate Factory, so where he worked from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., six nights per week, with Saturday evenings off. And this would be the job that he held down for pretty much seven years. It was the job that appealed to him. It was a graveyard shift, little to no supervision, or co-workers to mingle with. From the money earned through his job and on top of the zons from his grandmother, who also paid all the bills, Dahmer was free to cruise Milwaukee nightlife, and with that, he began to explore sexuality in a greater detail. One would actually catch Dahmer frequenting Milwaukee's gay bars, bookstores, and gay bathhouses, which, what, like, bathhouses are like saunas now, or, uh, I don't, I yeah, don't know. you're right, you're right, I, saunas, yeah. I was, yeah, I was listening, yeah, okay. So he he was also known to have stolen a male mannequin from a store, which he actually briefly used for sexual simulation. However, until his grandmother discovered it and, you know, turned the other eye and she stowed it in the closet and just demanded he discarded it and pretended to forget all about it. So this was actually before blow-up dolls and so they had mannequins. You, you know, I don't even want to... Uh... I don't even want to imagine how the, the visual of that, of a mannequin, as opposed to a... Okay, before we get to the slippery slope. But for all of realizing his sexual freedom, Cam, also came the disappointing discovery for him that he didn't like it when his partners moved. 
And he would later tell police once he was apprehended for all the carnage years later that starting in 1986, he drugged unsuspecting men by spiking their drinks with sedatives, then raping their unconscious bodies. And he did this 12 times. And after the 12th time, the bathhouse's manager revoked Dahmer's membership and he was banned for life. Now, why, I guess, with the benefit of hindsight, now why they didn't alert the police of sexual assault, it's, it's, it's a reason why. I mean, number one, it's a bathhouse and it's more or less operating as a brothel. And two, we're in the middle of 1980s America. You have homophobia is unfortunately a lot more commonplace, especially with the AIDS epidemic in place. So we're have, having a serial male rapist targeting gay males risks the kind of backlash that one may not want to seek. So Dahmer, like every time he seemingly finds himself in a trouble so far in his life, just gets a slap in the wrist. This is how serial killers were so prevalent in the 70s and 80s. Stop slapping them on the wrist. Yeah. And I guess when you add those elements, like, again, this is, you know, how the AIDS epidemic is just on the rise. Like, you're just right in the prime of the AIDS epidemic. And, like, it's a bathhouse. Like, people are just going to, oh, there's such depravity and, and moral. So, I mean... It's it's just a double whammy, and to, and I'm probably just thinking from that perspective, like, they can't go to the police. I mean, so the best they can do is just ban them, and again, it's just looking through the cracks of justice. And yeah. It's unfortunate because today there's a lot of people that can't go to the police, or it's hard to take the right lawful actions, because it's not, it's not cheap. It's not cheap to do things by law. I'm not saying that you shouldn't follow the fucking law and just follow the rules. It's a lot easier. I don't know why I swore, but it's a lot easier. Just follow the rules and stay in the lines. That's all, that's all I ask. <laughs> just do that. But like we were saying, it just gets sicker from here. Months after the bathhouse incident, Stomper was arrested for masturbating in front of two 12-year-old boys as he stood close to a river. And so... His original offense of indecent exposure was dropped, but this is only after he claimed that he was actually urinating and had no idea the boys were actually there and by chance they saw them, him. And so this charge was later turned, or excuse me, later changed to disorderly conduct. And in March of 1987, Dahmer was sentenced to one year of probation and alongside some mandatory counseling. In all of his criminal exploits, nine years had passed from the murder of Stephen Hicks. So it's been a really long time. Almost a decade. But Yeah, almost a decade. But November 20th, 1987, Dahmer would finally add to that body count. While he was out on town that night, he met and befriended Stephen Tuomi, is that how I said it? Tuomi, yeah, yeah. Tuomi, sorry, I'm terrible with last names. And he convinced him to return to the Ambassador Hotel in Milwaukee, which was in Wisconsin. And that's where Dominic Renton was. I'm just fucking. Yeah, it's in Wisconsin. If you don't know where Milwaukee is, it's Wisconsin. I did that one time. I like made a location drop, and it was Indianapolis, Indiana, and people were like, Oh, we didn't know Indianapolis was in Indiana. I was like, oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. Oh, I was like, I'm sorry. I was just putting <laughs> it on the map, guys. <laughs> so anyways, this is where Dahmer rented the room. And uh, Tommy was 24 at the time. And he had moved from Milwaukee from his hometown of the neighboring Michigan. Uh, Antonani, I'm not going to say. You almost had it. You almost had it. Uh, yeah, Antonagon. Look at you. Yeah, see, you gotta get Antonagon. Oh, now, now you're just being a dick about it. Now you're just being a I'm sorry to me, that. Okay? <laughs> you were doing so good, and you just. <laughs> I'm sorry to that township of Antonagon. Antonagon. And who knows? I might be saying it wrong, but as Dahmer would later tell police, he had planned to drug and rape Tony, and proceeded to do so in a drunken stupor, but. When Dahmer woke up the following morning, he found Tommy lying beneath him on the bed, 
his chest crushed in and blackened blue with bruises, and blood was also dripping from the corner of his mouth, and Dahmer's fist and one forearm were extensively bruised, and Dahmer had stated that he had no memory of having killed Tommy, and later told investigators that he could not believe this happened, but to depose of Tommy's body, he purchased a large suitcase in which he took the body to his grandmother's house, and one week later, he told police that he severed the head, arms, and legs from the torso, then filleted a bone from the body before cutting the flesh into pieces small enough to handle. So just the same manner in which he killed and dismembered Hicks' body. And he placed the flesh inside plastic garbage bags, wrapped the bones inside a sheet, and pounded them into splinters with a sledgehammer. And for a total two weeks following... Again, it just took two hours, this whole dismemberment process. And he kept the head for a trophy. And for a total of two weeks following Tommy's murder, Dahmer retained the head wrapped in a blanket. And he boiled the head in a mixture of Soylex. What is Soylex? It's an alkali-based industrial detergent and bleach in an effort to retain the skull, for which he didn't use it for. Cam, you want to know who he used it for? You know what he used to skull what? for? I'm just what? want you to guess. Let's guess. To eat out of. Oh, eat out all right. He used it <laughs> for masturbation. That's disgusting. He used it for masturbation purposes. He used a skull, ladies and gentlemen, for masturbation purposes. And I mean That's not okay. We're gonna get to, we're gonna get to the part two soon and That's disgusting. It gets progressively worse. So once he found no use of the skull, he used his truckie slant hammer and he shattered it to pieces. So, oh man. And discarded it like it was no big deal. Exactly. Like, like that person meant nothing to him and that, oh I mean, this was, a, this was a, per, this was a human being who he didn't know two weeks ago and to have that kind of rage, to kind of have that sick uh, process formulated in his mind to not only How? kill him, but to do all of the extra curricular activities afterwards, I mean, wow. Wow. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. In- insane. Oh my God. Insane. Not only does he give no regards for this person as a human being, he gives no regards for his family or anybody or, or his well-being. And, oh, my God. I, I have no words for that. No words. I, I, can't, I have no words. How could you, it's yeah, disgusting. how could you, how could you, like, where could you even go after that again? We still have. We're not How could even... you continue on and be fine about that, folks? Folks, at the end of the day, he can't, like the, the, this is we're we're gonna get the double digits by the time we're done. So this is his second murder. If you think this is bad again, we have a lot of more ground to cover, and it only this gets is, worse. Yeah, this is the second one, and it, it's like he already has it down to like he's done this all a, a lot, yeah, all the time. And, and I guess again, when repulsive. when you add when you add the he 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 gets his training in the army as a as a medic. So now you have the technical skills to match the depraved uh, mindset. It's it's mm-hmm. like a match made in heavenly hell. It's insane. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. Yeah, oh, fuck <laughs> excuse me. So two months later, on January 16th, 1988, Dahmer actually met a 14-year-old, James Doxtater. And Doxtater was a male prostitute who was propositioned by Dahmer with an offer of $50 to pose for nude pictures. The two actually went to his grandmother's residence, and they had sex before Dahmer drugged him and strangled him on the floor of the cellar. So I don't know why you would have sex in the cellar in the first place. That a fourteen-year-old, mind you. And yeah, I don't know why a fourteen-year-old is out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's terrible. I feel terrible that that's where fourteen-year-old's mind is at. And right. Anyways, I'm sorry. 
bringing that subject when we, but in the same manner as his previous murders, Dahmer dismembered and did away with the flesh and smashed his bones until there wasn't anything left. And like before, as a keepsake, he kept his skull where I think you get the picture of what he continues to do. And at this point, one is probably asking themselves, how in the mother, clucker, trucker, fruit snack, is Dahmer able to get away with hiding the bodies in a place like Milwaukee? Well, if it wasn't for a lack of trying on the surface, Dahmer's grandmother actually complained a lot to Lionel and Sherry Dahmer about some of the going-ons at her house, particularly about the bad smell in the garage, a sticky smell that would linger even though the garbage had long been picked up. And upon coming over to West Alice, making a personal investigation, Lionel actually discovered that the garage had some type of odor residue in it. And something black and shiny. And this is when he began, or I'm sorry, shiny, wow. Black and slimy. And this is when he began to question his son. And and even, and, and again, it's kind of like uh, going back to when they were in the dinner table when Dahmer was a kid. And he was able to explain away, oh, I'm doing medical experiments. And a, Lionel bought it. He prefaced by saying, yeah, I think this is your weirdo and you need to get your head checked out. But he was able to convince his father that he was the smell was for scientific experiments. And just like that, Dahmer was free to indulge in his... Wow. So, I mean, just to, to able... And also, you get a sense that he is a, a master manipulator. I, I mean... For all of the traits that yeah. we've been talking about, I'm like to to be able to kind of be a master bullshitter. It's yeah, it's very it's, so it's very yeah. He's using that articulate you know sense to again to calm motherfuckers. And I mean, this is his father who was a chemist, right? Uh, engineer, like who knows this kind of shit, and he's able to fool him. I, in, in the whole timeline of Dahmer, him pretty much, he was, which is unfortunate because he grew up by himself pretty much. Right. And now, I, now a bunch of people suffer because he, he suffered from his parents and, and, and it sounds terrible, you know, putting the blame on someone else. Dahmer is a POS and a right. psycho and a sociopath. And messed up in the brain. But it, it makes you question, would he have been if, let's say, house the home life was great and perfect and that's a really fan, That's a fantastic take. And I mean, who knows? Like, again, it's one of those things is that you can pinpoint moments in his life. Like you said, what was the, if he didn't have the hernia, okay? If he had the, like... To kind of like to be some somebody who's energetic and happy, described as that, and to become subdued, especially at three. And I mean, that kind of really, who knows what that does to somebody's mindset growing up. And then also, again, the alleged uh, molestation has never confirmed, but let's just say for the benefit of the doubt that happens, you know, a lot of victims become, you know, they said hurt people hurt people. So let's just and say that. And his parents just. It wasn't about raising Dahmer. It was about themselves. It wasn't ever about him. And right. So it's got to do a lot of learning and teaching yourself when you don't know where to start. And mm -hmm. all these factors, it's a lose-lose for him as an adult. Yeah. So to kind <laughs> of finish out. To, to, no, hell no. And to finish out part one, just one year to the day that he was sentenced for disorderly conduct. Dahmer finished his probation with flying colors. And only four days later, Cam, he meets 21-year-old Richard Guerrero and invited him to his pad, his grandmother's pad, I should say. And with that, he becomes the fourth murdered victim of Dahmer. And by this time, his grandmother had enough of the smell and, among other things, catching Dahmer in a compromising situation with another man one night who he later admitted to police 
that he would have likely killed had his grandmother not interrupted. So his grandmother found the, inter the gumption to kick her grandson out of her house. So eventually, Dahmer would find a cheap apartment in the city's urban neighborhood. And as we will pick up in part two, that's where, if it hasn't been bad enough, the true House of Horrors will begin. So we'll leave it for oh. now and we'll have... Uh, more detailed analysis, uh, analysis, and like all of even more of the crazy stuff that uh, this man will be responsible for. But I mean, even now, like we've been talking about, it's, it's been a buildup, and you've seen, you've seen not even the finished product of what a uh, a monster is. And it's it's interesting because. It's like you were saying, it's just a buildup. Like, he's still murdering and killing, but he hasn't even released released his full oh, anger yeah. and freak out and all that. Mm -hmm. Like I said, folks, we, uh, this, we ended on the fourth victim. Like I said a few minutes earlier, uh, we're getting into double digits, and that will be part two. Again, uh, guys, thank you so much. Uh, our long listeners, uh, again, you know, sticking by us, even with this long uh, period. Again, we will be talking, hell, we might just do a special episode on, you know, the last three months in a whole. But, like, again, we're going to be coming back for that ass for part two of Jeffrey Dahmer really soon. Actually, we're going to record this as soon as we upload this. So, um, again, we will be back in a Jeffrey again uh, um, you can find Ken. Sorry for the rants. It's been a while. For oh, us. yeah. Oh, and, and it will be deserved. But you can find Cam on Facebook on Cam E. Wren. You can find her on the Twitter on I Like Stuff 630. I'm going to fuck up the Instagram because I know it's not yes, I Like I Stuff changed 630. It on uh, you can find her on Barb Ho. I mean, uh, Barb. No, Barb. Barbo Ho. Oh, okay. I thought okay. I was being cute, but it's actually ho. So Barbo ho, and not H O E H E A U X. There's a couple X's in there that X, don't need to be. X, but... X. Uh oh. Oh right, 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 right. And you can find Birdman at Alex Camp. No, I'm on, on Birdman on Iceberg oh, now. Got... You're Birdman again? Yep. God damn it. Yeah. I lied. He's Birdman Iceberg. He tricked me. He's Birdman Iceberg this time. <laughs> but he changed, He also changed his profile picture, so it's still black and white, but it's a different profile picture this yeah. time. You did predict then, that I was going to do something like crazy. It's still hilarious, though. It's still <laughs> hilarious. I approve of it. Thank you. And then you can find him on Z Twitter, which, mind you, you can find me on Twitter, but I'm not going to um, probably respond to you because no, she's terrible I'm not on it too much, but he's still at Birdman for America on Twitter, and then on the gram of Insta, he's still Bird, your underscore, your enthusiasm. That's right. Boom. Um, again, Boom, you bitch. can catch, uh, we will be writing on off I wouldn't say the sunset because we still have another part to do this. But again, for Cam, this is Bird. This is Killinois, part one and part two of Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, be there or be killed, bitches. Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm spacing out. Be there or be killed. Bitches. Okay. Bitches. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll get it. We'll get it right for part two.